You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome to Mountain Bike Radio. Matt from JRA here, and as I cozy up to this X7 dumpster fire, I wanted to remind everyone about the Amazon affiliate link. By going to the show notes and following the link, you will have a normal Amazon shopping experience, but at no extra cost to you, Mountain Bike Radio will receive a kickback. This goes to the day-to-day operations of Mountain Bike Radio, not the host. This keeps Mountain Bike Radio going and the podcast coming. Enjoy this episode. Hey, I'm Todd Wells, a SRAM, TLD, and Cliff Bar-sponsored pro mountain biker and 2016 Epic Rides Off-Road Series Men's Champion. I'm stoked for the 2017 season of racing and parting at the Whiskey Off-Road, Grand Junction Off-Road, and Carson City Off-Road races. All three of those offer big rides, world-class trail systems, and they're right out the door from downtown. Join me and thousands of others for a weekend of bikes, free live music, and plenty of bike industry shenanigans. Epic Rides events are known to fill up early. Get more info and register today at epicrides.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Tonight's episode is brought to you by guns. And of course, more guns. And cannons. And cannons and anything that goes boom in the night. Uh, tonight, we do actually have uh, listener questions. We have some stuff going on. We have... Do we have donations? We have a donation from Jesse B. of Maine. Sent over $30. So thank you, Jesse. Damn, Jesse. And thank you to anyone and everyone that's donated to Mountain Bike Radio as a whole or to uh, JRA in particular. Also, if you want to figure out all the ways you can donate, you can go to JRA show or sorry, you can go to, well, you can go to a lot of places, but if you go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support, you can then see all the ways to support just riding or mountain bike radio, you know, the mothership as a whole. And if you go and use the Amazon affiliate link at no cost to you, you'll be able to give money to mountain bike radio in forms of an Amazon kickback. If you're in Canada, you have to mail your own maple syrup to us and we're very happy. <laughs> Uh, for the yes, record, Kenny is up next in the maple syrup receiving area. So we can get his address, uh, send it to the Outdoors Inc. for him, um, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. Any Man, of them. Like maple a, syrup? There, there are a few locations, like you could send it to any Outdoors Incorporated care of Kenny or Kenneth. Yeah, and, Kenneth uh, Charles. Yeah. The man in the fur vest. Um, and it'll work out so we have uh a couple of things so who sent the the kickback and maple syrup we don't know uh it was sent anonymously (laughs) anonymously you know what i'm kind of stopped up i'm kind of like hick and i'm a little tiny bit drunk so anonymously is pretty hard to say when your nose doesn't work properly um more cool stuff that's going on uh well lots of stuff but i'll start first with what's going on with me since you've heard of all the ways that you can keep us rolling um gosh where to start even uh a couple things since we talked last uh bond trigger helmets they're pretty wildly ranging in sizes i have a bond trigger road helmet in a medium and i tried on a bond trigger i want to say rally in a large, and it was way too big. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll order this other helmet in a medium. And I ordered it, and it definitely doesn't fit. So just buyer beware if you're buying Trek-branded or Bontrager-branded helmets. Just realize that the uh, you need to try on what you're, the exact helmet you're buying. You know, maybe shy of color, 
but down to MIPS or no bit MIPS, you need to try on the helmet you're buying. So uh, I ran to that recently. Uh, what else? I got a, a Pontrager branded uh, net gator or buff. That's like the, the Coke name for it, you know, calling a, a soda a Coke, calling this thing a buff. Pretty much everyone knows what it is. If you don't, Google it. It's pretty simple. Um, it's a tube of fabric. Yeah, it's a tube of fabric you pull over your neck. <clears throat> it makes you look like a, well, yeah. Yeah, you, you get where I'm going with that. Uh, it's called a turtle. It is. It's your, I was always, we're from the north, so I was always told turtle. Gotcha. Maybe that came from the company Turtle Fur. I have no idea. Yeah, that is a, a brand, which turtles don't have any fur, which that's, it really creeps me out. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but the thing that I got, those are just okay. The They're definitely much thicker than buff branded ones. They're two layers of material. Um, and it's really, really nice. One of mine is reversible, different colors on the different sides, which is just a, a neat feature. But uh, the other one that I got is just all black. Uh, both sides are black, but still double layer. It's it's something. Uh, the the thing that I got that I'm happiest with is the Bontrager Old Man Winter Boots. And they are pretty, pretty awesome. Actually, they're like super awesome. Um, I bought them. Big. I got them one size larger than my normal mountain bike shoes would be. They have a Thensolate inner booty that's removable. Uh, so what I do, and this is what you should do, is you remove the inner booty and you cinch it tight on your foot with a lacing system that doesn't tie. It has like a little quick like sliding closure on the string, like a Thompson stem bag would have. And then you slide your whole boot footied, no, your little bootied foot into the the outer boot. And then you zip it, and it has a big Velcro closure and another drawstring at the top to work like a gator. And it has a full Vibram rubber outsole, and they're SPD compatible, or you know, two bolt mountain pedal compatible. And they're really nice. Um, I've only done one ride in them so far, but they're flexible enough to be walking friendly, and they're super warm. It was, uh, I think, twenty degrees that morning, and my I wore those with light wool socks, and my feet didn't get cold. I didn't wear anything over them or else like crazy inside of them. And it was, it was really nice. Um, super happy with that. Uh, other thing going on with me is I've just been riding my bike. I rode a big, did I talk about riding single speed? I did. Cause that was a so. week ago, Sunday. Yeah. What did I do this Sunday? You worked. Oh, I worked this Sunday. That's right. Um, shout out for my homie that ain't here. Andy, my work buddy. He had a pretty nasty crash. Yeah, we had like a uh, we had a little miniature ice storm. It was just like some freezing rain. For uh, just no, long. they called it the the actual. This is the scariest rain uh, precipitation I've ever heard. Freezing drizzle. Yeah, and it that's, made, it that's what put it was. like a layer of invisible death ice onto every flat surface that it touched. And unfortunately, my homie went down, and he's kind of out. For the count now, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, he was going to do Trans-Iowa. We're, don't beat him up too bad. He listens to the show now. Oh. So, well, I mean, I, I, I'm sad for him. Um, yeah, I want to take him a casserole like a good Southern woman. We're going to... Don't... Shh. You <laughs> might hear this before we get over there. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a bummer, but he, he's going to heal up. Just like the Bionic Man, we can rebuild him stronger. So, he's going to come back. I got a pretty entertaining email from him today that may or may not have... Been pain medication induced. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's 
kind of all that's going on with me, I think. Um, I do have a really cool tech tidbit. We rambled about this a couple times before, but the other day at work, I really dug into some cassette stuff. And I think that's the only place this is going to fit into this show. So I'm just going to go ahead and nail through this right now. Uh, we talked about cassettes before and, and it's interesting how, how they weighed, you know, what cassette weighs what, blah, blah, blah. So I weighed a bunch of cassettes at work and I'm going to try to list them off in order from he- lightest to heaviest. Uh, I might just get a little sloppy if I mix something up because I haven't ordered it that way. I, I made a list of what we had on hand to make sure I wasn't going to have to like, look anything you up like and, unwrapped them and everything yeah i took them all out of the packaging and weighed them and you guys were slow huh uh for that like but it took me like an hour and a half to get this done to weigh like one two three four five, six, seven, to weigh like 10 cassettes took an hour and a half so we weren't really that slow it was just like i just like did one and like i would open it weigh it write it down put it back in the box put it away and then like stand around for a second and be like okay cool and then like i would rip into the next one like um, so lightest is going to be, and I only did cassettes that are 1132 or greater in size and red 22 is the lightest at 206 grams. So that's a red, a, a SRAM road cassette, SRAM red road cassette, the Wi-Fi road cassettes, the lightest at 206 grams. So boom, if you want to do like a gravel bike one by not a bad plan. Yeah. Awesome plan right there. The next lightest cassette is X one. At 264 grams, followed closely by XX1 at 272 grams. Oh, wait, XO1 so was lighter? Dude, I dropped it on the, the original yellow feedback or like ultimate support yellow scale. And XO1 is 264, XX1 is 272, and then Ultegra 1132 comes in at 286. Okay. So yes, um, and then the the next thing that comes onto the list is going to be the X one at three ninety two, or I'm sorry, three sixteen, and then shortly after that comes the SRAM PG eleven seventy. So that's the all steel road cassette in eleven thirty six. It weighs three seventy seven. And then GX, the 1150, the super turdy, all-pinned steel SRAM cassettes, 392. Oh, I did miss one here. Uh, XTR 1140 comes in at 335. And then, so I guess that would have went technically, where did that go? It doesn't And then there's matter. XT, right? XT is a turd. It, XTR would have fallen right after X1. Okay. And then XT is the, the worst of the worst at 438 grams for an 1142. Oh, God. That's so, so bad. It's so bad. Um, it's so bad. So for those of you out there that want to poo-poo on SRAM, just realize you can increase your gear range by 10% by adding, or 9%, however you want to look at it, 9 to 10%, by going from a 10-tooth to an 11-tooth. Uh, and you can, you can save weight even at the, the GX level. You know, the GX level is the same price and it's, uh, you know, over 50, it's almost 50 grams lighter. And if you want to throw just a little bit of money at it and get that X1, I think that's the $200 ish version. I didn't write prices down in retrospect. I should have, but you can save like 120 grams going to an X1. Um, so yeah, there's you're leaving a lot of money on the or a lot of weight on the table if you're running XT cassettes or 
Um, honestly, even an Ultegra cassette, you could bump up to a red 22 and just blow it out of the water on weight. I still think that 1175 cassette needs to go into production. <laughs> 1175. No, yeah. no, no. The SRAM PG 1175. Oh. It's the fully pinned cassette oh. where the alloy cog is, is, or the, the 42 is I thought is you meant alloy. like Eagle Plus. No, 1175. Mega range Eagle. If if an eleven seventy five came out, I think Kenny would just send us a picture of his bikes on fire, and like we would never hear from him again. He would just <laughs> ride off into the ether on his Bronson or Brompton. Yep, electronic thirteen speed Falcon Punch. So that's really all that I have for the show. I'm probably not going to talk anymore all night. That's a total <laughs> lie. Damn. What's new in Andrea's world? Because I think Kenny has something he needs to take care of. Um, I let's see. Since last Monday, I had a good bike ride on Tuesday. Um, did I? Is did I? I don't even remember. That was so long ago. Um, I basically I've taken the last week. I've been riding minimally. Um, and I've been in the gym a lot because I was preparing for my blue belt test in jujitsu and, uh, I, I had to, something had to give as far as where I was putting my energy. So I backed off of the bike training just a little bit, which is, uh, it's definitely anxiety producing for me because I know I have land run and Moab rocks coming up in March. Um, but, uh, I was, I was about to crack. Well, I mean, I did. I I just like I I was I was in bad shape there from I I got on the struggle bus, and uh, so I had to back off of the bike training to get off the struggle bus. Um, so back to where I was. I had my blue belt test in jujitsu on Sunday. Um, I felt like I prepared really well. I was uh, really comfortable with most of the material that I had. Um, that I was tested over. It was basically, so uh, just a quick rundown for anyone who's not familiar in every mar- every school, every gym kind of has their own way of doing uh, belt promotions. Uh, this is how mine does it. It's some people like some people will just train jujitsu. And then one day their coach or their professor just hands them the next belt. And it's like, here, put this on. Um, other schools are very, organized and very formal about it. Uh, that's more how, uh, mine leans. Uh, they give you the curriculum that you need to know, uh, just based on, you know, their experience, uh, their knowledge, uh, to say, this is what a good blue belt should know. And it's a list of stuff. And, uh, you have to be able to not only demonstrate it, but to explain every step as if you're kind of teaching it to the instructor that you are working with. So it's a one-on-one thing. Um, if you're slightly familiar with martial arts, you'll know that there are a lot of times, like when you have a belt, um, you get a stripe on your belt kind of to say like, I've been this belt for so long, or I have this much experience. Those are done in like an, in, a, a slightly less formal, like classroom setting as a group. Uh, but the full belt promotion. So in jujitsu, it goes white, blue, uh, purple, brown and then black. Um, there are some other ones above black, but that's, uh, generally, you know, those are considered like the main ones. Um, you know, so the, those big promotions are done on a much more individual basis and the test is much longer. So it took about three hours. Um, it was, 
you know, intensive, like demonstration, instruction, testing type stuff. And then about an hour of, uh, extremely hard, very, um, physically demanding, just, just like jujitsu sparring or rolling. So, uh, I'm pretty wrecked today. Uh, that was yesterday in JRA time. Uh, I don't know when this episode's going to post, but I will find out tomorrow uh, or Tuesday during my jujitsu like normal class. Uh, they told us that we'll get our test results then, and uh, anyone who got eye tested with two other people, um, and if we are to be promoted, it will be during class on Tuesday night. I'm reasonably confident that I should be getting my blue belt because I felt good about it. Um, that's really all I've been focusing on for the week. I, uh, haven't done a lot of bike stuff. I've ridden some, but you know, like I said, I haven't done anything, uh, uh, difficult or impressive because I, I've just been channeling my energy elsewhere. Uh, but back on the bike tomorrow. That's really Boom. it. Boom. What's new in Kenny's land? I actually did a decent ride over the weekend. We did a 50 miler with the, with the team that I'm on here in Memphis and it was good. Weather was kind of abnormally nice. Um, rode the RKT did 50 miles, just a little bit of road, a little bit of trail <clears throat> and yeah, RKT is running awesome. I am going to change. I threw some 35 mil bars on it just cause that's what I had. I really needed an 80 millimeter stem. And I happen to have an 80 mil stem and an appropriate bar, but they're 35 mil clamp. So a little bit bigger diameter, a little bit stiffer. Uh, they're fine. Um, I love the way they handle, but they're a little bit rough uh, on the longer days. And I've also got like there's the cheap clamp on really thin rubber grips that Niner just includes with their bikes. And they're actually okay, but I come from ESIs and I'm really happy with ESIs. So anyway, I'm going to look in, I'm kind of in the market for uh, a flexier bar, not flexy, but flexier than a 35. So I've been kind of noodling and figuring out what I want to do. Which is like anything that's not a 35? Yeah, basically. So I don't know if I want to go as flexy as say a Thompson or if I want to go with a race face next SL. I have a race face next SL 31.8 on my other bike and I like it a lot. Um, Yeah, don't mess with a good thing. Just get that. Yeah, I could just get that. So do you guys have any recommendations on that? Just a good carbon all round bar? I know a lot of people that are happy with that uh, race face one. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think that race face one is the exact same and comes from the exact same place as the EC 70. I'm fairly certain if you just look at them side by side and doing the like edge of the counter test where you kind of flex it, <laughs> where you try to break the bar over the counter. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, the Thompson still seems to be a little bit flexier. I also just don't like the gloss finish on bars. That bugs me. Because it always gets all nasty. Like oh wherever yeah. You put your, wherever you put your clamp, it just messes it up. And then oh, if you yeah, want to move like your the, stuff uh... just a little bit, you can't. Well, that was going to be what I said. Um, how wide do you want to go? Mm, seven hundred, seven twenty. I would get Somewhere a niner bar if I were you. Yeah, the niner bar is pretty good. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. still that gloss finish, isn't it? You can get the RDO. I know in matte, but I don't know about the regular bar. I didn't really love the RDO bar when I had one, but I, it was RDO, on the single speed. It's flexy. Yeah, yeah, like on the really flexy. I didn't know. So if I, if it were, I think I had it on my full suspension as well. Like it kind of transferred around bikes, and I didn't notice it on anything. I wasn't standing up. Like the single speed, I noticed it when it was like 
pedaling at 10 RPMs and putting like a full, like one rep max weightlifting effort into pushing one pedal down and pulling up on the handlebar. Like I could feel it flex then. And it was like, and I don't like this kind of flex. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, on like other riding conditions, I didn't really notice it, but the regular Niner bar is pretty solid. Um, but so is the race face. I mean, just go with, you know, go with one you've used. So one thing is, I believe, let me look, I'm actually on Niner's website right now. I want to say their bar, yeah, it's only, they don't have a riser bar at all. And I really want a riser bar. Yeah. Because that's just what I need to get my bike where it needs to be. Um, if I didn't have goofy proportions, I could run a flat bar. But yeah, hmm. That's kind of the only issue I'm yeah. seeing right now. I don't like the gloss finish either. Like the all of the Bontrager carbon bars that we get on bikes, when you move the any of the controls on the bars from like where they were clamped from the factory, yeah, there's a mark on the bar from that. Yep, yep. And I will say, I don't know about all the RDO bars, but for sure, I think it's the super duper wide one. Maybe it comes with a like a 780 or something like that. I want to say that bar is available. One of the RDO bars, because uh, a factory RKT build we got in the other day had that bar on it. So I know they do make at least one flat version, which is cool, but it's also a flat top bar, which I don't necessarily want. So I think what it boils down to is I just need to get that roughly 15 or 20 mil rise uh, next SL and just rock that. So Yeah. Most anyway, people, that, I know that that have those like them, and uh, I think the only reason why I didn't get that one of those from my bike was it it only goes up to like 720 or something uh probably something like Which is that fine it's not most, super wide like if it's just you know like out here there are no trees so or no there are no tree gates here so it's fine like you can run wide bars and it's nice but if i lived in memphis i would not i i could never have the bars at the width they are now and live and ride in memphis yeah this race face bar is actually unfortunately on back order which is a bummer Oh. Yeah, a, that sucks. Uh, but yeah, I rode that bike, did a bunch of miles. It was good. I was slightly, I was a little bit more wrecked than I should be for 50 miles. So that's not good. Um, what else? I rode in the middle of the week, I rode my single speed and it rides awesome still. So my full suspension single speed with a proper single geared cog in the back, it still works awesome. I've yet to have a single slip from that thing and it's fantastic. So I'm really happy with that. It turned out awesome. And I've just been kind of putting some alternate miles on that bike to mix things up a little bit. And it gives me something different to race during the season. So if I just feel like it for whatever reason, particular course, I can be like, hey, I don't really feel like racing Cat 1. I can do single speed today or vice versa. So I like that about it. And I've been... I'm still contemplating, I may have talked about this on the last episode, if I come across a really good deal on another RKT or on like a, a scalpel, the new version of it, in carbon, I'll probably just pick one of those up and then turn that into my single speed. And then if I really like it, I can always swap them and turn whichever bike I like more, I'll turn into my geared bike. And uh, yeah, we'll see. So more if that's a scalpel, because I already have an RKT. So if I really like that scalpel, I can just make it my geared bike and turn my RKT into a single speed. Uh, that's about it for me. Nothing else super exciting. Yeah. Uh, we have the kind of 
off mountain bike topic. Uh, we have the first autocross of the season uh, this weekend. So I'll be driving the newly turbocharged Daewoo. It will be hilarious. Oh, did I have you, a bike thing to talk about after you talk. Did about you that. ever get it? Uh, what you call it? Dynode? Uh, no, we haven't gotten a dynode. Uh, the dynode place just hasn't really gotten back to us. So it runs good. I mean, we've got uh, you know all this proper stuff on it, and it's tuned reasonably well. We just don't know how much power it makes. I mean, we can guess probably within ten horsepower uh, what it makes, but um, it was more just for fun to see, and also just to get a little bit more aggressive on the tuning if we decide to do that. Um, but yeah, car runs good, so we'll go run it. Hopefully, it doesn't explode. Um, and if it does, it'll be funny. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's about it for me as far as stuff going on. There's a bunch of a whole bunch of races coming up. Probably so. It's the 18th is the uh, first race they've done at the Vista Trail in Arkansas. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if I'm pretty sure I'm going, but I don't know if I'm going to do the short version or the long version. I'm just not in super awesome shape, and I don't really feel like doing the long version because it's going to be really fucking hard. I mean, so I might what just better be, way to get in shape, right? Yeah, you know, but I'm being a baby, so <laughs> uh, we'll see. But yeah, there's that one coming up. What else? There's all kinds of good stuff. There's Silmo, um, and they're doing a short version of that. Not that I will do that, but they are doing a short version I saw this time. 30. Yeah, and I think for the average person, that's probably a good plan because the 50 was just, you know, most people had no business doing that. I mean, it's fine. It's a challenge. I get it. But, you know, when half the people DNF, that's not. What are they What are they cutting off? Are they going to make it like the easier of the trails? Like, are they going to definitely have the red trail in the 30? Because you could cut, I don't know. I, I, I kind of have like a loop in my head that would make a 30 mile course and it it's like the hard part of Silva. Yeah. You know, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, let's see. So I'm on their website and they, let's see, Saturday, March 2, 2017 summary of the course, blah, blah, blah. So this is only talking about like the full blown one, uh, info event details. There we go. Aha. All right. 30 mile, 30 mile. Where's the 30 mile? I have no idea. Yeah, I truly have no idea what course it's going to be. I'm looking on here. I don't, nothing's jumping out at me. Um, yeah, that, that kind of sucks. Well, anyway, they have a short version of it, so that's pretty cool. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of good racing going on in Arkansas, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm going to try to do a little bit more racing this year. I kind of relaxed a little bit in 2016 just didn't do a lot of racing i rode a decent amount uh but i want to do a little bit more racing this year i think and just kind of get back into that so that's the plan that's all i got going on cool um you know how last week uh our last episode i kind of gave the call out like hey we need a power meter manufacturer to get a power meter onto excuse me onto a pivot less fat Yes. Um, so what actually worked was the Cannondale Stages crank arm, a race face, really wide spindle, like the, their widest uh, 30 mil cinch spindle that they make, and the Cannondale right crank arm. So basically a Cannondale crank with a race face spindle. Uh, oh, very mil cool. Spindle. 
So did that crank I sent out end up working? At yes. least part of it? Yep. Cool. So yep. essentially the only thing that he's using from what he got from you is the right-hand arm. Yeah, um, yeah. And we set him up with a wolf tooth camo spider and a 30T stainless steel ring to add to that because just for the longevity. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, I kind of had to play around with spacers on the crank with like a wave washer and some spacers to get it like centered in the bike and to also like make sure that the, so like the left crank arm, the stages side, um, like the first time I installed it with like some of the, like the, I don't know, like the race face or whatever, the beat, basically like the 30 mil spindle spacers, like the big ones, um, it was kind of off center and the uh the back of the stages was super close to the chainstay and so i just kind of rearranged spacers and found the right combination uh until it you know until it had plenty of clearance like i'm i'm reasonably certain especially on a fat bike he's not going to flex the stages into the frame cool cool i wouldn't necessarily recommend using a wave washer when you have that cinch system Oh, actually, I take that back. I'm so I'm sorry. I'm so used to there being that cinch system. Yeah. So on the Cannondale setup, then yes, never mind. <laughs> yeah, and I, I put it. It's on the non-drive side. Like it's okay, just cool. there, taking up some space, and you know, like holding shit in place. Awesome. Um, but yeah, it's it's solid how I I set it up, and then uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go tomorrow to ninety two fifty and put his bike the rest of the way together and bring it back down and hand it off and let him uh, go rocket. Even though the temperature in Denver, like so up high right now, like there's great fat biking. Um, but down in like the Denver Boulder, like front range area, like the temperatures are about to be like 50 to 70 for the next week. Like the 10 day forecast is super warm. So there's everything's melting off. It's been really weird here. It's been like 30 degrees and then 70 degrees and then 30 degrees oh, and then like 70 Denver degrees. Weather. It is ridiculous. I literally, in, within a 24-hour period, wore my snow boots and my Chaco sandals. <laughs> I mean, you were really stretching it on the sandals, though. You went full Denver and was just like, <laughs> my toes won't freeze off. I'm wearing my new sandals. I mean, it was like 50. It wasn't that bad. Do we have any questions for the week? Do, do we ever? <laughs> so first question, and I kind of have an answer for him already, but <clears throat> John H. from the Midwest says, Hey, Matt, sounds like you have a 2016 top fuel 9.8 based on the last episode and the deal to in the wheels you're looking to replace. Pretty much he asked, could I run a top fuel with a 120 fork? And I gave him a pretty, a pretty blanket answer. Um, I told him we would talk a little bit more about this on air, but, um, if you're going to ride a top fuel, you need a 32 millimeter chassis and that's where things start to get sticky. And I don't know which one comes first. Um, but I think if you're going to ride a 32 millimeter chassis fork, if you put it to 120 millimeters of travel, even if it is travel extendable to 120, you're going to start to be able to, because you have 120 millimeters of travel, you're going to start to stress the chassis. With that said, same thing's happening with over, I'm going to say 730 
probably, 730-ish bars. Yeah, 720, 730 area. You're going to do the same thing. That needs to be your max bar size. If you run an 800 bar on a 32 mil fork, you're going to flex the chassis. So an XC hardtail should ride like, or sorry, an XC cross, Jesus Christ, I'm so bad at talking. Cross-country full suspension bike. Should ride like a... When you ride really hard on it and rally it, it should be like a hardtail that's just not trying to kill you as bad. That's essentially all it should do. Yeah, I mean, if you're just like riding the fuck out of your cross-country bike, like it's like you're trying to just go downhill as fast as possible and just straight line stuff, like it should feel out of control. Like you should feel like you almost wrecked but didn't. Like that's that's how those bikes should feel. Like they aren't really made for that. So like, you know, if we're talking about a bike that's made to be good at like 90% of what you do, um, sure. Like a bigger fork or a wider handlebar might make it good for, you know, that other like 10% of riding that you do. But you know, most of the time you want that thing to be super light to climb really, really well. Um, and really just, you know, you want everything to work well enough that you can pedal as hard as possible. Um, and then the, the part where you, you know, shred the gnar is kind of secondary to that. Uh, you know, if you're really concerned about that, something like how I have the 429, like the pivot 429 SL is a bike that can definitely kind of go, uh, both ways as far as, you know, being set up kind of cross country or being set up not so cross country and you know, not every bike is like that. Like the Trek top fuel is definitely not like that. The RKT is definitely not like that. Um, you know, so set your bike up for what it was really designed for. I would say the pivot four two nine SL is really the only bike on the world cup circuit that I would give my, my like blessing of approval for it to be like a Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde build. Like you can build it to be a race bike or you can build it to be like a little shreddy. And yeah. And that's really the only bike on the market that I know of that fits that belt. And I, I don't know frame weights because I, I've never paid attention to frame weights, but I bet that if you took, you know, everything but the shock off of, every cross country full suspension bike out there. The 429 SL is probably going to be one of the heaviest ones out there. It's not heavy. It's just a little overbuilt for a full on cross country short travel bike. And it is, it's a hundred mils of rear travel instead of 80. I will say there's probably three bikes that I've experienced that really can match the 429 SL. (laughs) One of them is the 429 SL not surprisingly enough, uh, the other one is the Jet Nine, the yeah. original. And yeah, I say exactly. the original, not the not the eighty mil travel version, but the hundred mil travel yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. So whether you get the alloy or the carbon, but I assume let's just talk carbon here because um, that one is going to be in the same league as the Pivot. But they only made it for so many years that had all the same stuff, you know, like through axles and and then um, like there was there's definitely the run of them in there that they all broke on the seat. Yeah. Then there was the first run, yeah, where they all broke. So if you get the new carbon compaction one, but they don't make that anymore. Now the Jet is like a longer travel bike. So anyway, let's just say it's a two-year run somewhere in that ballpark. So that bike was really good. You could kind of build that any way you wanted. Uh, and then the Tallboy, the original Tallboy, not the 110 mil, not the Tallboy 3, uh, but the Tallboy 2. That one you could really build as 
a pretty shreddy bike as well, and it did very, very well at that. So anyway, that's just my input on that. Of course, all these bikes pretty much don't exist anymore, so the only one you can still buy that you can do all this stuff to is the 429SL. Yeah. Yeah, the, then I can just since I've had one of those Jet 9s and I've had the 429SL, the 429 does feel like just a little bit more just, I don't know, like solid. Like there's less, if you do like get a little shreddy on it, if you rode something back to back, you would notice the difference like rear wheel following front wheel uh, between the two. Like the the jet gets a little bit looser in really in the kind of chunky stuff. So I've gotten shreddy on all those bikes with big forks and all kinds of stuff. And the most capable of all those bikes, without a doubt, is the 429SL. Yeah. Then I would say the tall boy right behind that, and then the jet behind that. Yeah. So unless you're talking about those bikes, and like going back to the question that uh, that Matt was reading, uh, going back to those bikes, you know, with the exception of the ones we just talked about, like the tall boy, the, the original tall boy, the previous version of the Jet Nine, and the current. Uh, pivot 429SL. If you have a cross country bike, keep cross country, cross country. Show enough. So we have another listener. This isn't really a question. Um, he says, Steve from the internet. Hey, Jerry, catching up on past podcasts and wondering what's the preferred nomenclature, a family pack of dildos or pride of dildos. <laughs> I'd like to offer up flock of dildos as an option for all your multi dildo encounters. <laughs> Thanks for the laughs, Gibbs. Um, you know, I understand that a pride is like a, a group of lions, but I think a prideful... That's how I like to think of my collection of dildos. I think a prideful flock of dildos would be uh, majestic, especially if they were shimmering in the light. <laughs> Oh, man. And if you're wondering, those are available from Amazon, and you can use the affiliate link for that. <laughs> you can use the Amazon affiliate link to, to buy a flock of dildos. Or a pride of dildos. Yeah, Mountain Bike Radio gets like one cent per dildo. <laughs> we get like 10 cents on the family pack, though. Oh, man. I can't wait to get the email from the guy who said he listens to this in the car with his kids. Oh, I mean, man. I don't know. If if you do that already, your kids probably know what a dildo is. Um, not that it's really that bad. You shouldn't be ashamed of having dildos. Nothing to be ashamed about. Matt's yawning, so we get the day here for a second. I was yawning so hard. <laughs> uh, let's see. I have another question here. Another question here. I'm deleting these questions that I answered because just savage. It's done. Uh, let's see. Both of these are big. Um, oh, man. I want the new All Hail the Black Market t-shirt. It's long sleeve. That's not for right now. We'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Uh, Matt from Wisconsin says, hey, Jerry Grew. Matt from Wisconsin here. I love the show. Keep them coming with a flock of dildos. Uh, I recently got into mountain biking by buying a used SE fat bike. While it's a ton of fun and great for the snow up here, I would like a I would like to have something a bit speedier for the summer. Uh, really quick, 
I just need everyone to understand that my eye hurts so much still. You got sriracha juice in your eye. I had put a bunch of sriracha in my homemade ramen. And then when I was eating it, I like slurped some and it dripped into the bowl and it, it bounced back into my eye. And I got a drop of sriracha juice in my eye and my eye hurts really bad. Bless your heart. So like as I'm reading this, I'm like blinking like a million times a minute. Uh, he says, I would like to have something a bit speedier for this summer. I'm planning on doing a few cross-country races in the citizen category, nothing too serious. However, I would like my bike to be a capable trail bike that I will be able to have fun on local trails as well as a trip to Colorado or North Carolina. I have a couple of bikes on my short list. However, they're very different. Budget is a limiting factor. I have about 1500 to spend max. The Specialized Fuse Comp seems to be like a fair amount of bike for the money, and the plus-size tires will hopefully give me a little extra squish in the rougher areas. Another bike that is significantly different is the full-suspension Hawk Hill from Marin. This bike would give me full suspension and a modern geometry while staying at my price point and giving me some upgrade possibilities. What question is what bike is going to be the better value for some Wisconsin cross country races, having fun trail riding. Am I going to regret going full suspension with a lower end spec like the Hawk Hill? Thanks. Yes, you will. So a different way to answer his question. I have a question for your answer, Kenny. What would be your minimum aluminum full suspension bike you would purchase? Like retail oh, man. dollars. There is a Facebook group called Mid-South Cars under $1,500. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that is amazing. I'm going to go buy some jalopies and go rag them out. That is so awesome. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. I was just, I was actually legitimately going on Facebook to find the online swap meet group. Uh, where's that thing at? Blah, blah, blah. Where's online swap meet? God damn it. What the hell? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to use Facebook. This is too hard. You're too old. We talked about this the other other day after we stopped recording. We're getting old, Kenny. It's terrible. I'm not. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is like, what the hell? What happens? Like they have, where's my groups? Damn it. (laughs) I am a member of this group and I can't get to that place so if oh. you're on like it automatically puts Facebook. you it puts you on the fucking discover tab god damn it so by the way when you click on groups at least on mine by default it goes to the discover tab so it's like finding new ones and not the ones you're already a member of which is ridiculous so all right. fuck that shit yeah from come on that's terrible uh all right online swap meet so what I'm getting at is I'm gonna look on online swap meet and just look really quick at some stuff we don't I don't necessarily uh, recommend buying used bikes, but I think sometimes it's worth it. But you got to just remember there's a risk involved in it. And if you're going to buy a $1,500 bike, like spend your max $1,500, you just have to keep maybe 500 bucks in your back pocket in case it's really fucked up when you get it. And that's just the name of the game. So if you're cool with doing that, I think it's really worth it. Um, just because I really, really, really want to get you on a full suspension bike because you're talking about doing North Carolina and Colorado and Utah and all this kind of stuff. And I just don't want you on a hardtail because oh. f- friends don't let friends ride hardtails. Oh, I know how I'm going to answer. So Kenny goes first, and then I'm going to give an answer that's totally different. And people are going to think we're a couple that hates one another. Yeah, that's true, though. So are you still searching? Uh, no, you can go. I'll search, and then I'll interrupt you. Um, cool. I would buy the fuse 
maybe. Uh, I would buy a hardtail, and then I would just rent whatever you wanted when you went out of town. Boom. Because if you have Ooh, a bike that's, that's good in Colorado, good it's going to suck in Wisconsin. And if you have a bike that's good in Wisconsin, it's going to suck in Colorado. But you know what bike is amazing everywhere is a 100 mil travel 29er. <laughs> that is true, but a fifteen hundred dollar hundred mil travel twenty nine er, unless he's going to buy your old bike after you buy a scalpel, he's going to be real sad. That's true. He's going to be like, "This is an X seven dumpster fire." Meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at a few jets, and most of the jets are going for like a little over two thousand. And the only jet I can find that's even close for twenty two hundred. It is an aluminum, and it's the new one, so it's like rowdy amount of travel. Oh, I don't know how this Marin is this cheap, and it's scary. Oh, I see what that is. Oh, that's that's real bad. That's real bad. Ooh, yeah, I think you'd be a lot happier renting a bike. What was his? What was his price range? Fifteen hundred, mm. all in singles. Throw it up. Well, he did Washington want a bike. Fall. Well, you said buy the fuse and then rent, correct? Yeah, buy a fuse and then rent a bike. Okay. Yeah, that might be better. I don't know. Like the so, just looking at this Marin, this looks like a crank set that I don't know where to source a replacement chainring for. It's that weird, like seventy-three BCD Samux crank or some garbage like that. Hmm. Um. It has. I don't even know where to find the specs on this bike, which is probably a bad. Oh, here it is. Uh, let's see. The fork is a recon silver. Done. Um, and the rear shock is an X-Fusion 02 Pro. You can't buy seals for that right now. They're out of stock everywhere in the country. Tell this guy to send a message in. I might have a really old, like, Cannondale, like the original scalpel in aluminum with a lefty for, like, a really good deal. Okay. I'll send in you all seriousness. Email. Like it'll have, it'll have tubeless wheels, lefty, um, all that jazz. So could be cool. Yeah, that'd be real good. Um, where I was going with that is that bike is real bad. Um, it's also one by ten. Ugh, you don't want that. That's like dumpster fire. I regret putting wide rage one by ten on my bike. What Everyone's is, clicking and looking at the Yeah, we're, well, you know what? Sometimes you're working hard on the show because Kenny has the hardest to remember email address. Uh, full face Kenny at uh, Just Riding Along. You know, no, 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 it's not at Just Riding Along. That's not a website. Don't go there. <laughs> it's it's uh, full face Kenny at mountainbikeradio.com. It is a super long address. God, I'm typing for so long because Mountain Bike Radio is really long also. um god i think i like i don't think you could even tweet your your email address in one tweet (laughs) oh Uh, that's awesome let's see where are we going here so uh do you have anything to add to that andrea no i don't i just don't don't buy a new 1500 dollars full suspension bike that's all i have to say i want to look up one more bike real quick it'll just take a second Oh, oh i got a good one here Oh, man, this is great just because the first sentence is awesome. It makes no fucking sense. So this is $1,800 for a 2013 Scalpel 329er. Uh, it's extra large, but who cares? Anyway, let me begin my explaining 
that the owner of this bike is a professional firefighter and a recreational hang glider. Oh, boy. So there we go. That You need to buy that bike because that guy is a pro hang glider. I'm sure it has carbon repair done. <laughs> uh, it has dialed XC suspension, which is pretty sweet. So I've got an undialed XC suspension. It wasn't very good. Um, the other th- bike to consider would be a Salsa Timberjack. It's a bike. Does what you want it to is. do. What does that one do? Uh, it's their new aluminum frame sliding dropout 29 boost or 27.5 plus boost God, bike. Who, who uses sliding dropouts anymore? What? Sliding dropouts are awesome. You mean just like an open? No, just a, swinging dropouts. Oh. No one used fucking track ends on a mountain bike. This is. This I mean, is there 20, have been people that no, have done that. No, this isn't some hunk of shit, Surly. Okay. <laughs> By the way, online swap meet strikes again here. This one here, this bike's either clapped out or stolen or all the above. It's a twelve hundred dollar carbon scalpel one 29er with extra wheel sets and all kinds of stuff and like dt 240s and xx1 and all kinds of stuff and i don't know i mean maybe that's actually what it worth what it's worth but people are bitching about him not posting a price because apparently he didn't and then a guy in the middle said do you take nuggets so i'm just <laughs> i'm just very very happy about all this right now <laughs> i have that's not the first time i've seen someone on online swap meet Offer nuggets for... There are so many nugget references. And I could be wrong. I don't think that I... Maybe I subconsciously took it from somewhere else, but I don't no, think we... didn't. I don't think we did. I think that was kind of our thing and that it is now on the internet. It's and I, Yeah, and I think that people who are using it now don't even know about Just Riding Long. They just know that somewhere on the internet, someone has offered nuggets as currency. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, there's two Nugget references in this one post. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, once you get Nuggets on the brain, I mean, how do you not offer just more oh Nuggets? Oh, my God. Some guy's like, just post a price. I don't care if it's – I don't even care if it's Nuggets. And then another guy's uh, down below says, do you take Nuggets? Oh, my God. It's awesome. So you, get, you need to buy this bike <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess you'd have to do it locally so you wouldn't uh, – like they wouldn't spoil. Do Nuggets spoil? I don't think they do. No, I don't think so. Um, so there's a really long one. This is going to be our grand finale. Uh, I've got the one off of Slack also. The, this one's like two weeks old, and it's no joke, like a full page and a half in Microsoft Word. Oh, God. Uh, Patrick from the UK says, The too long do not read version is my bike is shit. What should I get for falling off a rocky UK mountainside in style? And he says, Dear Biking Badasses of My Ears, my name is Patty. I live in Manchester, England. I've been listening and loving the podcast. Wait, you need to read this in a British accent. Long time. Austin <laughs> provided me with encouragement. I need to clean and patch up my wreck of a 26 for another day's dying on the trails. However, I need some serious advice. I'm more confused than a Donald Trump collection tie made in China. I'm hoping y'all, and that is how you say it, right? Uh, cheery, good, oh man, you just got all the biscuits out of your teeth and said y'all just proper, yeah. Uh, we'll be able to give me hey, some advice. Fanny. What? That's like so. In, in just, we have to keep going. In in the UK, they they use cunt like it's nothing, and then they like when they hear us say Fanny, they're like, "Holy shit! How do you use that with like children?" Uh, we'll be able to get some advice. On getting a new bike, I'm still riding a 26er that I got in 2011, and whilst it served me well, 
I'm starting to notice parts are not really being made for the outdated standards on this bike, and I've pretty much. Where did you find a 26er do. in 2011? That's impressive, dude. He bought a closeout bike in 2011. Oh, okay. I'm probably. I mean, think about it. In 2011, if you bought a bike that was three years old, it'd be 26 possibly. So mm, yeah, okay. He's currently riding a Genesis Core 26.3, which is a hardtail mountain bike. Um, I can do some upgrades like drivetrain conversion, but I don't know if it's a good investment. My issue is I'm not sure what type style of bike is going to be the most beneficial to me. And although we have some good bike shops here, I can often feel the sales pitch coming when I speak to them. I want to go full suspension because NAR is life. I ride mostly a mix of tech climbing, tech descents, and occasionally flowy fast stuff. But more often it's rock gardens, berms, broken streams, or no, rock gardens, broken streams, muddy stuff. If you're familiar with the UK, I ride in two areas, the Peak District and Lake District. I like the idea of a plus tire. As I've read, it gives more confidence. It'd be my first full suspension bike, but I've also heard they're good for more rollover and jumping. But maybe a decent 29er would be better. Yes. Or would just the shift from 26 to 27.5 be enough? Do plus tires just fall apart at the sight of a rock? Maybe. Yes. I'd love to hear your opinions on this and maybe some suggested bikes. I'd love to hear a Kenny special, no bullshit, straight shooting opinion on this too. I know I'll need to demo as many bikes as I can, but unfortunately, the only shop that does demos charges 50 pounds a day. I think that works out to around $63. I'd I'd like to have a fairly good idea of what to try out. My budget is around $3,000, and I'm not fussed if it would need some improvement over time. Preferably, I'd have a 1x11 drivetrain and something that will give me more descending confidence. I would describe my skill level as warp speed fucktard. <laughs> I've recently joined MBR as a member because I don't want to take fucking liberties. Um, and also because what you guys do is awesome and I don't have to listen to 12 minutes of advertisements, every podcast whilst feeling guilty, uh, keep up the fantastic show. I want to hear more drunken Matt epiphanies. Andrea is giggling and Kenny's latest installment of the, you know, what really grinds my gears, man. I think, you know, what really grinds my gears. Did he give you a price range? $3,000. You got to listen. Sorry. Uh, I think, you know, what really grinds my gears is from the car stuff show podcast sorry to have written a small novel at you love and floyd berms patty um is that patty with the d or that's patty with two d's don't get it wrong he ain't no patty mayo (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah that's that's a doug funny three thousand dollars three thousand dollars that sucks i was gonna say the fuel the trek fuel ex 9.8 and it's, do, do we it's, know how tall this gentleman is? He's he's in the UK, and I think he's like on the like slightly. <laughs> so he might be a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean he is a dude named Patty in the UK, so he might need one of those Norco kids bikes. Uh, but no, I mean like over there, like he's like a little bit over the world, so they still measure straight up, or like do you measure like how many hands is he? That's how they measure horses. I don't know how many hands. How many he is. stone are you? I was trying I think, to make. I think you. Yeah, you measure height in stone. I was. Just <laughs> That's not how it works. That is how it works. That's <laughs> what the internet told me. How many heavy hands tall are you? <laughs> or weight are you? How and, many stone tall are you? Oh God. Um. Any. So my advice to him was that he should try to demo bikes from a place that allows the demo fees to be rolled towards the purchase of a new bicycle if done within a proper time frame. 
I have I have more general advice for him. Um, a three thousand dollar full suspension is going to be okay. Um, go with a newer one because you know if you're looking at like closeout bikes from three years ago, suspension has made advancements since then. Um, if you're tall enough to ride like a medium bike or bigger, go with the twenty nine er. I think it sounds like you could do any of the like the like the next step bigger from cross country 29er and you would probably be pretty happy. Like my idea was the Trek Fuel EX. Um that that's not in your price range. Like there's an EX9 and it's $4,000. Um let's see what their $3,000 version is. Um that one does have the capability to go 27.5 plus. Um oh they do have an EX7. Um and I've seen those in person. They're not terrible. Um, you might end up doing some upgrades on the drivetrain to go one by uh, with the EX7 or an EX8. But I think a bike in that category sounds like it's going to fit you pretty well. Like it's not a stupidly low bottom bracket height where you're going to be slapping your pedals on the ground when you're riding through technical stuff. Um, all of the fuel EXs come with a Fox 34 or a bigger, you know, like that size stanchion fork. So that chassis, that stiffer chassis so it's going to be more like burly for going downhill it's a little longer travel like it's got a dropper post stock um a bike in that category and i think that as long as you're getting a newer bike like that you're going to be happy with it because the bike that you're on now just isn't that great so i wouldn't just stress too much over what brand of bike you get but i would get something in that like around 120 to 130 mils of travel, you know, slight, you know, dropper post, uh, slightly bigger chassis fork, like the, the step up from the bikes we were just talking about. As of recording, Interstate 91 North at exit 27 in Newport, Vermont was closed due to a maple syrup spill. The fire department is on the scene working on cleanup. <laughs> that showed up on my Twitter timeline. Google is definitely listening through my computer. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to agree with Andrea 100%. Um, your bike is right proper shite, mate. And uh, just about anything you get is going to blow your fanny off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would just go for that category more than looking for a certain brand. Um, I think it's, you're going to be happy that that category fits what you want to do. Like something that is rideable, you know, it's not like one of the super slack, super long travel bikes where, you know, like they pedal uphill for as big as they are like the nine point, at least I've, I've ridden the fuel EX 9.8 and it's, it's good. Like it's a fun bike to ride. If I didn't, you know, do cross country racing and that kind of stuff. Like that's the sort of bike that I would get. And that would just be like my one mountain bike. Just because it's a little on that. the heavier side. I think it's all good. Yeah. Get that genre bike, get something yeah. hundred to 130 mil rear travel, probably more in the 120 ballpark. So I'm thinking and a 27 and a half or a 29, I think you'd enjoy. I'd really like to know how tall you are, how much you weigh. I think that'll, uh, make the decision a little bit easier. If you are, say, five foot four, I would get a 27 and a half, like without a doubt. If you are kind of average dude height, 5'10, 5'11, 6 foot, 
I would get a 29er personally. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm five foot six and I feel perfectly at home on a 29er. Like I, I think it's, it's fine for my size, but it also like, there are also there are dudes that are my height that are very like, I don't know, like corgi shaped. Like they have super short legs and like, they're just short coupled, um, that don't fit on a 29er at all. So it just really depends on how you're built. Yeah. Uh, but that's all really good advice. I think what that 120 ballpark bike is going to be awesome. So think, uh, like alloy Santa Cruz 5010. Uh, you could probably even find a carbon one if you find, uh, like a old carbon one on sale. Cause they had a build that was like 3,400 bucks brand new. So you could definitely pick one of those up. Uh, what else is out there? You could pick up a, uh, like a Cannondale. I think it's called the habit. If I'm not mistaken, we don't really sell them in Memphis, so I'm just not as familiar with them. Uh, but that is going to be a good bike. All the Fuel EXs are going to be good bikes. Uh, you could probably pick up a – what's the specialized, like the Camber? Is that right? Nah, no, you don't want that. <laughs> okay. But there's a lot of bikes. So I think the best thing is find – if you can find a local shop that has that genre of bike and they maybe even have a couple old ones on sale, for example, maybe they've got a demo – or maybe they have a new one, but they put the demo price towards that bike. I would do that. My other piece of advice is do not be scared to throw away even 200 bucks, let's say. So I'm thinking three demos, three different days, 60 bucks a day. That money is well spent because it gives you really, really good input. Um, and it'll be fun. It's something different. So um, I do that from time to time just for fun with cars because I'm a car guy and what better way to enjoy a car than go rent one and go take a little trip in it and beat the shit out of it. So, and you might not look, you, you know, I thought that I would always hate Nissan. Uh, I, cause I drove a 350 Z way back in the day and it's like, everyone was gaga about it. I wasn't that crazy about it, but I drove a new 370 and I was fucking impressed. It was a great little car. And I wouldn't have known that if I didn't just go rent one and beat the shit out of it. So go demo some bikes and beat the shit out of them. Like go ride them and see what you think. And I think it'd be fun. It's, hey, so three days, three bikes, $200. I think it's well spent. I really do. Boom. There you go. Yeah, just so for reference, like the the Fuel EX9, which is an alloy bike, um, but it's basically like an alloy bike with all the bells and whistles that you're wanting. Um, that's $4,000. You might, you know, if you if you wait around until like October, November when they're releasing like, you know, the 2018s, um, you know, maybe you'll find one. You're not going to find one for $3,000, but it'll be cheaper than $4,000. So, you know, that might be something to keep in mind. That one's one by. It's got, um, you know, 11 speed tram on it. It's got a Fox 34, uh, like their second tier fork, not like the bottom end one, but like not the top end one. Um, so it's, you know, uh, that's a solid bike. That's a solid alloy full suspension bike that I think you would really enjoy. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, you want to read this question off of Slack? I don't think it's that long of a question. Uh, I mean, really like the, it's, it's about switching from a plus bike to a cross country bike. And then uh, the the ending question is, are the Neo hubs going to blow up eventually? Where is this at? That is in MBR members on Slack under the 
just riding along show hashtag or channel. Man, I need to get on uh, Slack. I want uh, to be a part of that. Yeah. How do I, how do I do such things? I don't know. We'll have to get you there in a minute. Man, do you want me crazy. to just read the question? If he's curious, are his hubs going to blow up eventually? Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I personally haven't had enough experience with the Neos just yet. I've seen a bunch of super, super fucking old, super beat up uh, original ZTR 3.3s, and they were pretty damn good. I mean, I saw a couple. I saw just a couple that were so clapped out that they were just not recoverable. But, I mean, that's pretty few and far between. I mean, that's going to happen to any hub. Yeah. That that on our scale... We're just seeing it because of like how many people we touch, you know. Um, I don't touch anybody in the shop. The number of customers <laughs> that we service, uh, you know, I've probably seen four in the last year where the bearing just falls in and out of the wheel, so it's not usable anymore. And then probably two like or three where the, the hub or the neo in the old hub, okay. and then two or three where the hubs crack. What does on the new one or old one? That- no, this is the old ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw exactly what you saw. Like, I go to replace uh, one of the main hub bearings in the back, for example. And, yeah, the bearing just, like, on the inside there uh, just falls out of the hub. For sure. Yeah. But I call that's pretty rare. It's very, it's very rare. I also say that I have serviced, I mean, at least 100 different customers ZTR hubs and just kind of service them on a regular basis and they seem to be fine. And you see the occasional weird thing. Um, you see somebody who has like broken a paw in half or something goofball or uh, a bearing just falls out or they have completely you know, rounded out their free hub body splines because they're running some steel cassette for 10 years. <laughs> but I call all that pretty... None of that scared me. Like when I saw it, I said, okay, this thing is worn the fuck out and it's broken. Uh, I never thought, man, this hub is sketchy. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to read the rest of the – do you want the rest of his commentary? It has nothing to do with No, the last question. I want to be the last question because I want to go to bed. Well, it was interesting because he talks about going from a plus bike to uh, – Yeah, he went from a bike that sucked to a bike that doesn't suck. Well, it's funny because it kind of follows like what we've said is like plus bikes might be more fun for people uh, that haven't quite developed all of their skills yet Um, because he was riding 29 plus and kind of said something along those lines. And then he says, I bought an Air 9 RDO, the Fox Factory 32 and XT. He went from 30 pound bike to a 27 or 23.7 bike. Sounds like he's still running beefy tires, 29 by 2.3 inch tires. And he says, holy shit. That's his commentary is just holy shit. And then he says, are the Neo hubs going to blow up? Mm, Probably not, but we don't know. Let us know if they do. So I would say the same thing about a lot of the other hubs that are kind of new ish. So Neos probably won't blow up, but maybe. And the S900s probably won't blow up, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, and Stan's uh, customer service is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, like Chris King hubs will definitely break. And Hope hubs, probably not. Industry 9s, probably not. Uh, so on and so forth. Hey, just so I don't get busted out about it at work, Levi done blew up his i9 wheels. 
Oh no! Uh, the wheels or the hubs or the everything? hubs are dead. Uh, what happened to them? Uh, same thing we were talking about with those old Arch CTR hubs. The bearing just comes in and out of the hub. Oh, is oh, it is okay. it an old one like the old style with the giant bearing? The old style with the giant bearing. The bearing just falls in and out, and then his. Oh no, that doesn't count. That hub's like seventeen years old. Man. And his new torch style front wheel. He says he doesn't know if he's ever going to try to change those front hub bearings again. Dang. Uh, because the last time he put them in, he put them in by hand. Ooh, that's no. scary. So if anybody gets in that situation, you can use that like six oh nine green press fit Loctite, and yeah. that will help out a lot. Yeah, and he should also call Industry Nine about that. I mean, they're they're a good they're company, really and, and they would be interested to know what under what conditions that's happening, and you know if that was like maybe that's a certain batch that was doing that, and they'd be like, oh yeah, like send it to us, and we'll rebuild it or whatever. Like that's that's something they generally would would pro- they would help him out with. Like they're just not call just gonna, him. They're not going to just tell him to fuck off. Call him and say, "Come on, oh come on, give me some hubs." <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we can wrap it up. All right. Cool. This has been an episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio, brought to you by guns and cannons and lots of other shit that goes boom in the night. If you have any questions, you can send them to. JRA at mountainbikeradio.com. If you want to help out Mountain Bike Radio as a whole, go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support. Make it rain on us like a thunderstorm. Um, and that's it. Thanks for listening. Good uh, night. Good night. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to go over to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR if you want to support the show. And make sure that all of this keeps rolling. So thank you and have a good day.